Welcome to the podcast of Woburn Baptist Church. We hope that you enjoy listening to the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Good morning. People today are still living with the guilt and the shame from a sin they committed years ago. And they have no idea how to move on or how any good can come from it. Today I'm going to share with you the story of David. And David was a man after God's own heart. David was um, known as the Bible as probably one of the greatest men of God of all time. But yet David had a downfall. And God redeemed David's sin. And if God can redeem David's sin, God can redeem your sin as well. And so today's scripture is from 2 Samuel Chapter 11, verses 1 through 5. It says, starting in verse 1. In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they ravished the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. It happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house. Then he saw from the roof a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful. And David sent and inquired about the woman. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her. Now she had been purifying herself from her uncleanness. Then she returned to her house, and the woman conceived and sent and told David, I am pregnant. This is the story of David's biggest fall and how God is going to redeem David's sin. If you would, bow me and pray. Dear Lord, we ask today that uh, my words are yours and not my own. That you speak through me. That we learn from this passage what you want us to know. That we learn that you're the great Redeemer. That no matter how far we turn away from you, Lord, if we ask forgiveness, repent of our sin, you use our sins and our failures for your glory in the future. That you redeem us. And it's beautiful that um, no matter how far we turn, you're always there pulling us back towards you, Lord. Uh, Please help us to learn that message today. Open our eyes and heart to receiving you in a new way. And for us to leave this church changed tonight. For us to have a heart change. And to leave this place better than we came into it. In your name I pray, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So before we start today, I want to give you some context on David. That way you know how this story is coming about. So... Way before this happened, this is probably David's about 40 to 60 in this time period. When David was a teenager, God sent word to Samuel. And he told Samuel, go to the house of Jesse. And in the house of Jesse, one of Jesse's sons will be the next king of Israel. He said, when you see the guy, you're going to know which one it is. So Samuel follows God's commands, goes to the house of Jesse. As he's going to the house of Jesse, Jesse presents seven sons to Samuel. Samuel goes to each son and is like, no, that's not it. I'm not really feeling that one. God's not telling you me. And so he goes to every son. He's like, that's not it. He goes, I'm not feeling anything from God. And he goes, Jesse, do you have one more son? And Jesse's like, well, I have one son. He's a shepherd boy. He's not really strong. He's kind of weak. He's young. You don't want him. And Samuel says, bring him out here. Bring him out here. Let me see. And so David, which is the shepherd boy, comes out. And immediately Samuel says, yes, that's the one. That's the Lord's anointed. And he says the Lord looks at the heart while man looks at the outward appearance. What he's saying is Jesse's other sons 
were probably bigger, probably stronger, probably more intelligent, maybe more athletic in today's society. But he said, I don't care about the outward appearance. I care about your heart. And David's following me. And so he said, I want that as a king. And so at this point, Samuel anoints David as king as a very young teenager. And then David, as you probably know this story, goes out and defeats Goliath, which is over nine something feet tall. Humongous victory for his country. Um, And so he defeats Goliath. And then after that, he goes through multiple other battles. He just keeps winning and winning and bringing glory to his kingdom. And Israel was just thriving during this time. Okay, I think from reading the Bible, we can understand that David never lost a battle up until this story. So David is very, very victorious. And so the the country of Israel is probably not just uh, war known. They're probably economically powerful and probably just thriving socially as well. And so when this story happens... The very first thing I want you to know is when you're at your highest point, you're also at your most vulnerable. David thought, I have it all together. I have the kingdom. Like, I'm not losing any battles. I have all the women that I want. God's blessed him with multiple wives. Uh, and, and he's saying that, hey, everything I want, I have. So he said, I'm kind of good. And David kind of gets to that point where, you know, I'm here. I'm at my highest point. Same is true for us today. We think, Oh, I'm the boss of my company. Or maybe I'm striving in this area of my life. I don't need to try anymore. I'm good. I've already reached perfection. Well, newsflash, you can never be perfect. You can always continue to grow. Because only Jesus is perfect. So you've never gotten there. Even when you think you're at your highest point, you're never at the highest point possible because you're not perfect. So you always can strive for perfection. And David misses this. And David gets lazy. And because David gets lazy... Uh, same is true in today's society. When you get lazy, you get complacent. Okay? Um, yeah. And laziness leads to sin. And you may say, how is that true? How can laziness lead to sin? Well, because when you're lazy, you get complacent. So you may say, I've been a Christian for 40 years. I know the Bible. I follow God's laws. I'm good. When that happens and you get complacent, you stop actively reading the Bible. You stop going to church because you think you know it all. When that happens, all of a sudden you downfall. Because when you stop trying to chase after God's own heart, when you stop trying to pursue God in all areas of your life, that's when you stop growing in Christ. That's when you start downfalling. And because laziness leads to sin. And we're going to see that here in this passage here. David gets lazy. In verse 1 it says, In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. David, the king, is supposed to go out there with his troops to battle. Up until this point, David's always been out there with his troops. Same is true in our society today is our president is also the commander-in-chief. Okay, So David is also the commander-in-chief of his army. But back in this time period, he's supposed to go out and battle with his troops. And David says, I don't need to go to battle. He goes, we're winning every battle. He goes, we never lose. He goes... I'm good, like everything's going well. I'll just send Joab. Joab can do my dirty work. So he sends Joab out to battle. David gets lazy and he stops trying to be successful. And you're going to see how that backfires majorly for David uh, later on in this passage. But because of that, David has all this free time. And so David said one morning, I'm going to just walk on my roof. So you're going to read in verse 2 where it says, It happened late one afternoon. When David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house, 
that he saw from the roof a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful. So you may say, why would David walk on his roof? Well, back in this time period, it was a common practice to walk on your roof. It was just kind of something people did, and David had a king's house. So the king's house was probably the highest house in all the palace. So when he's walking on his roof, he can see out over his entire palace. Going back to point one, at his highest point, he's probably thinking, yeah, I've accomplished all this. All of this is what I've done. And so David's on his rooftop just admiring his kingdom. And then he sees a woman bathing on her rooftop. And you may think, okay, that's super strange. Why would a woman bathe on her rooftop? Well, again, back in this culture, they didn't have running water. They didn't have showers. They didn't have sinks. Probably the only real source of water they had would have been from a well. And you don't want to jump in a well because you may not come back out. And so what they did was they put troughs or buckets on the rooftop. And so when it rained, the rainwater would catch in the buckets and then they would go on the roof and bathe. And so this is a common practice. And so it wasn't just Bathsheba. Probably almost everybody, but not everybody, would bathe on the roof. And But David looks out and sees this one woman in particular. She's a beautiful woman and she's bathing on her rooftop. And he's like, wow, like, now that's a really attractive woman. And then... This is where David makes his biggest mistake. In verse 3 it says, And David sent and inquired about the woman. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her. So David had a choice here. When he asked about the woman, and somebody said, Hey, this is the wife of Uriah the Hittite. David could have said, oh, okay, I'm not going to pursue her. She's the wife of somebody else. I don't want to get myself in a bad situation. But instead, David's like, you know what? I want to find more about this woman. So at least to point number one, do not set yourself up to fail. Do not set yourself up to fail. And what that means in today's society, say you've struggled with alcohol. Maybe you're an alcoholic for 20 years, okay? And you've just now become clean. Well, it wouldn't be smart to go to a um, get-together with your friends where alcohol is present. Although you may not jump into that temptation, you may not drink at that get-together, that temptation is there and you're putting yourself in temptation. Do not put yourself in temptation. Set yourself up for success, not for failure. David knew Bathsheba was the wife of Uriah, one of his soldiers this often battle, where David should be. And David said, no, I'm going to talk to her anyways. Bring her in here. And so David puts himself in a situation to fail. And when you do that, human nature is probably going to lead you to fail. Even though you might be the strongest Christian, when you're setting yourself up for temptation, there's a good chance you're going to fall right into it. And that's exactly what happens to David. Because it says, she came to him and he lay with her. So now David has committed adultery. So that one little mistake of being lazy, being contempt, and what David has, has now led to adultery. So that laziness led right into sin. And a pretty big time sin. And then you're going to read on that in verse 5, And the woman conceived and sent and told David, I am pregnant. Okay, so now David has made a real big mistake. Now he's got her pregnant. So now David has another choice to make. He has a choice to be trustworthy and honorable before God and say, look, Uriah, I've messed up. I committed adultery. 
I, I'm sorry, forgive me. Ask forgiveness of the Lord and bow down and just say, Lord, I've messed up. Or he can try to cover it up. And that's exactly what David does. How often in our lives do we try to cover up our sins? We say, that sin's not too bad. I'll just commit another sin so that bigger sin doesn't get let out. So David just keeps on sinning. And so you're going to see that David calls for Uriah. And Uriah's at war. And he says, Uriah, come back home. You've done a good job. Take a little rest. Drink some um, probably wine back in that time period. And just kind of settle down and enjoy your wife for the night. And I'm going to reward you for doing well at battle. So Uriah comes back home. But Uriah is a more noble man here. Because Uriah says, no, my men are out there in battle. I'm not going to sleep with my wife and have comforts when my men are laying in open fields in battle. He said, I'm going to lay in the field because I don't want to be above my men. And so David's like, oh darn. Like I tried. I tried and now it didn't work. And so then David sends word to Joab, which is out there leading the army. And he says, Joab, put Uriah on the front line of the fiercest fighting. Okay? He says, put him on the front line. And then he says, as the army is coming toward him, retreat from Uriah. So Uriah for surely dies. And that's exactly what happens. Joab puts Uriah on the front lines. And then people with, I think, bow and arrow are on this wall. They retreat from Uriah. Uriah gets shot down, dies. So that's my next point is, one small sin leads to greater sin. Like that little white lie you tell, if you don't ask forgiveness and turn away from that sin, if you don't admit that that sin is wrong, then that sin leads to more sin. And then it leads to more sin. And all of a sudden you're just caught in this um, realm of sinning. It's almost like an anaconda. An anaconda, what it does is it suffocates a life out of its prey. The same is true with our sin. That if you commit that one little small sin of like a white lie or etc., you put that little baby anaconda around your ankle. And as that sin goes unrepented, that baby anaconda grows. And now it's around your legs and your waist. And now the anaconda is around your neck and it's suffocating the life out of you. And your whole life is involved around covering up this one sin. Because you left that one little tiny sin unrepented. You thought, that's not too bad. I don't need to ask forgiveness of that. It's okay. I can commit that one sin. And because of that, then you go into the more sin and more sin until that sin is controlling your life. And that's what's happening here in David. Is David, his sin is controlling his life. And he has no idea how to get out of it. And so we're going to see here, I want to tell you a story before we move on about a similar guy that probably everybody knows. His name is Alexander Hamilton. He's on a $10 bill. So this is, a more, this is an example, post-Jesus era, almost the exact same story as David. But you're going to see the difference in what the choice David made and the choice that Alexander Hamilton made. So I want you to see the difference in the story. Alexander Hamilton, in 1775, fought in the Revolutionary War. Okay? And then in 1777, he was a lieutenant colonel later in New York. He was part of the Continental Congress. And in 1787, he was a New York delegate. And then George Washington, the very first president of the United States, elected Alexander Hamilton as the first Secretary of Treasury. So Alexander Hamilton had everything. He had wealth, he had popularity, and he had a great job. And he kind of thought, that, just like David, I have it all made. And when he said, I have it all made, he got lazy. And when he got lazy, he fell right into sin. And you're going to see exactly what happened. Is one day, Alexander Hamilton's wife 
took his kid on vacation. And she asked him to go with him. And he was too caught up in work and, and said, no, like, y'all go ahead. I'm going to stay at home. So his wife and kid go out on vacation. While he's away, a woman comes up to Alexander Hamilton's house and says, hey, like, I need some financial advice. Can you help me out? And Alexander Hamilton says, no, I'm busy tonight, but I'll rearrange for tomorrow. And he rearranged for tomorrow at her house. Now, how dumb is that? Why would you schedule a meeting with a woman at her house by yourself when you're married to another woman? That's setting yourself up to fail. And then that's exactly what happens. She took him to the bedroom and they started talking. Then he fell into adulterous sin. And after that happened, the husband of this woman blackmailed Alexander Hamilton for months. He kept sending money every month to this man because he didn't want his wife to find out. He tried to cover up his sin. And then one day it arose and people found out he committed the sin and it ruined his reputation. And people did not like him. They didn't think he was trustworthy. And because of this, he went into depression. He didn't ask God for forgiveness. He didn't turn to God. Instead, he just tried to keep this sin to himself. Tried to hide that guilt and shame with himself. And later on, if you know how Alexander Hamilton died, he died in a duel. And on that duel, he shot his gun upwards, and the other guy shot him in the chest. Now, historians may tell you that happened because um, he, didn't t- he didn't think the duel was serious. He thought the other guy was just kind of messing around. But I think that happened because he couldn't handle the guilt and shame anymore. So he shot his gun up knowing he would die from that duel because he didn't want to live life anymore. He didn't know how to handle this guilt and this shame and he didn't know where to turn. Well, you're going to see David has a different response. And David's response is the key point of today's message. Today's message is God redeems. And there's three things you must know about your sin before it gets redeemed. Number one is you must admit that you've sinned. That's the key thing. Don't say, oh, like, I'm good. Like, I, I never sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. Okay? And you've sinned in your life. And you have to admit when you sin. David here later on in, verse, in chapter 12 has an experience with Nathan. Nathan's one of his friends. And he comes up and says, David, can I tell you a story? And David's like, yeah, sure, I'll listen to a story. And the story that Nathan tells David is there was two men. One of them had all these sheep, everything he wanted, very rich man. While the other man only had one little wee sheep. And the rich man passed the poor man on the street one day. And the poor man needed a sheep for sacrifice. And so he took the sheep from the poor man and killed it. And that left the poor man with nothing. And David says, that's awful. That man should die. And Nathan says, that's you. He said, you're the, poor, you're the rich man. He said, you had it all. You had everything you wanted in the kingdom. And yet, you took the one thing you didn't have, Bathsheba, and then you killed the only thing she had, which was her husband. And at this point, David realizes, oh no, I've messed up. And he bows down and worships God and repents of his sin. That's the key. David realizes, I've messed up, I've sinned, and bows down, worships God, asks forgiveness of his sin. In our life today, a lot of times we sin and we're too prideful. We don't want to admit we have a problem. We don't want to admit we've sinned. And because of that, that pride disconnects us from God. Get rid of your pride today because God uh, dislikes the pride, but 
gives greatly to the humble. And so being humble is way more honorable to God than prideful. And so David gets rid of his pride and realizes I've messed up. And in our life today, we have to realize we've messed up. And then after David realizes he's messed up, is you have to have faith that God will redeem your sin, even though it might not be right away. In this story, David, which I'll talk about in a second, his firstborn son with Bathsheba, the one he had the adulterous affair with, dies. Okay? So it didn't happen right away. The sin didn't get redeemed right away. But then, if you look, David... God blesses him with another son, with Bathsheba. And that son is named Solomon. Solomon becomes a key figure in the Bible and writes two books in the Old Testament. Solomon means wisdom. And then, this is the most incredible part here, is David, because he asked forgiveness of his sin and turned to God, God redeemed him because 25 or so generations later, from the line of David, where this adulterous affair happened, came Joseph. And Joseph married a girl named Mary. And Mary had the Son of God, Jesus. So Jesus, God sent His Son through this sin because David asked forgiveness and repented. And God redeemed his sin, his mistake, and sent Jesus through his line. And then, what I want you to realize though, uh, one of the most important parts of this lesson today, is that just because God redeems your sin, does not give you the free right to sin. Realize that God redeems you, but consequences still remain. This is one of the best examples I've ever heard. Is grace is not a trampoline. You can't just say, oh, I'm sinning, I'll get grace. I just keep on sinning. When you do that, God sends judgment. Because the grace is a safety net. To where if you sin, God can redeem you. But if you just keep on sinning, then that first little point I made about how you have to repent of your sin, that means to turn away and try to start living for Christ again. If you just sin the same sin tomorrow, and then next week, and then the day after that, you probably haven't repented of that sin. You're probably still stuck in that sin. And if you just keep on sinning and say, well, God will give me grace, God will redeem me, then God sends judgment. And that's what I want you to walk away with today, is that, yes, God will redeem your sin. And just like in David's situation, David committed adultery and murder. And God redeemed him and sent Jesus through his line and blessed him with a son. But the penalty of sin is death. And in this story, the very first son David has with Bathsheba dies. Now the hope, here's the hope. Jesus came and paid that penalty on the cross. He died on the cross for all of our sins. So no matter what sin you committed or will commit in the future, Jesus died for them all. So He paid the penalty. So no matter what sin you do, the penalty is paid for. But consequences still remain. And just like in this story, David, um, God puts an evil upon his house. And two of David's sons, later on, one of them um, has sex with somebody he shouldn't have had. And then the other brother gets mad at that brother and kills that brother. And then the country of Israel kind of starts turning away from David. Because there's still consequences to that sin. So but if you think, you know, I ask forgiveness of my sin, why am I not having just all glorious things? God will redeem you and use that past sin for His glory, but consequences still remain. And realize that that's the case. So you don't have a free pass just to keep on sinning and do whatever you want to do. Grace is not a trampoline, it's a safety net. Um, what I want to leave you with today though, 
is if you admit your sins, have faith that God will redeem your sins, David believed that God will bring goodness out of it in the future. David had hope and faith that God will eventually redeem him, and he did. So if you admit you've sinned, have faith that God will redeem it, and then realize consequences may still follow, but ask forgiveness and repent from that sin, God will redeem your sin. God will redeem that past mistake. Let go of that guilt and shame. And it says in the Bible as well, if you want true healing from your sins and your mistakes, he said confess your sins to Christ first, and then confess them to one another. Because that provides true healing. When you have a community of faith, when you ask the body of believers, the church, to, hey, look, I've messed up in this area. Can you forgive me? Help me through it. Then the church should rally around you. As a church body, we should rally around believers and help each other out in their walks, in their struggles. Pray for each other, support them, and encourage one another when we mess up. And when we do that, that's when we provide true healing. Because if you're carrying guilt and shame today, it's like carrying bricks. And the longer you hold on to it, the heavier it gets and the more it weighs you down. And eventually, that guilt and shame from that sin will control your life. So today, let go of that guilt and shame. Give that guilt and shame to God. Ask forgiveness of your sin. Turn away from it. And God will redeem you. Thank you for listening to this message from Woburn Baptist Church. For more information, please visit us at www.wilburnbaptistchurch.org. Or you can also like us on Facebook.